Hi, this is Christian Kuhn of Urban Village Church in Chicago. Welcome back to the Sermon Podcast. We are in uh, the beginnings of a sermon series. Uh, actually, we're halfway, sorry, but halfway through our sermon series uh, about death and dying. Uh, we're calling it Everybody Dies. And today we're going to explore the whole notion of heaven. And so uh, I'm going to read first, <clears throat> read first from the book of Revelation near the very, or at the very end of the scriptures. This is Revelation 21, and I'm going to read the first seven verses. So hear these words. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw a holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them. They will be his peoples, and God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more, for the first things have passed away. And the one who was seated on the throne said, See, I am making all things new. Also, he said, Write this, for these words are trustworthy and true. Then he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water as a gift from the spring of the water of life. Those who conquer will inherit these things, and I will be their God, and they will be my children." May God's blessing be on the hearing and living out of this word. I was in a used bookstore yesterday and exploring what titles were there. Uh, and I was trying to find a novel and also, I was, of course, had to make my way over to the religion section. And uh, as I was looking through the books, uh, there was a book titled Proof of Heaven by Dr. Eben or Eben Alexander. And the subtitle is A Neurosurgeon's Journey into the Afterlife. And I saw that and I thought that was interesting. Lots of people, it seems like these days, are fascinated or curious about the afterlife. And so stories of people who feel like they had near-death experiences are always pretty popular. And then, so there was proof of heaven. And then right next to it, again from Dr. Alexander, there was another book, a sequel called Map of Heaven. And the subtitle is How Science, Religion, and Ordinary People uh, are proving the afterlife. So I guess that makes sense. After having proof of heaven, you probably want a, a map. How do I get there? Or something. Or what does heaven look like? And so he wrote the sequel to that too. So what happens when you die? There's all kinds of different ways for people to explore and ask that question. On Sunday, I'm going to invite people to take a moment and turn to a neighbor and ask them, what are images that you have when you think of heaven? I would imagine there'd be a lot of questions or a lot of responses that are certainly having to do with light or clouds or harps or angels or anything like that. Um, they may also be uh, informed by movies that we've seen uh, about heaven or maybe books that we have read. Some, uh, when you think about people of faith or maybe even people who aren't, uh, don't have a faith, when you talk about heaven or the afterlife, there are some who maybe don't think about it at all or they just assume that there will be nothing. Others, particularly Christians, probably obsess a little too much about it. All they think about is who is going to heaven and who's not, and who's saved and who's not. And by thinking too much about it, they perhaps will neglect what God might be calling them to do here and now, today. But since the crux of our faith is centered on what we call the Easter experience, the resurrection of Christ, I think this question about what happens after we die bears at least a little bit, if not more, reflection. And it's maybe a question that sometimes we don't delve into enough. 
We may have some vague minds about what might happen again or some images from movies. Maybe it's a sense that when we die, we'll be transported to a place that's kind of like San Diego. Maybe all kinds of family reunions are taking place with our dogs, because like the movie says, all dogs go to heaven, right? Maybe there's a place where you can meet famous people. Others believe that heaven is kind of like a place where we're enveloped in light, and others, maybe it's a big cathedral in the clouds. So if we're doing a sermon series on death and dying, it's natural to begin to explore notions of heaven. But today we want to explore not just what Hollywood says or what some authors say, but what does the Bible say? So I want to explore a little bit with this uh, about this with you. I should note at the beginning, I've been influenced by uh, a book that N.T. Wright, the biblical scholar N.T. Wright, wrote a few years ago called Surprised by Hope. And he emphasizes that it's important to address this question of what happens after we die in the context of what he believes Scripture says about death and resurrection. And he uses an interesting phrase. He says that we need to think about life after life after death. Again, life after life after death. Well, what does he mean by that? Well, we need to do some exploration here of the scriptures and what some of the early Christians thought about death. And at times, if this sermon seems a little bit more like a lecture, uh, I apologize. But again, I think it's an it's an issue that people are interested in and, and maybe hearing what some of the first believers uh, or the first followers of Jesus believed could help us or can help us. So first during Jesus' time, it's important to note that Jews, many Jews believe that there would be a resurrection of the dead when the Messiah came. But this meant that all of the dead would be resurrected, that when the Messiah came, that all of the bodies of people who had died would come back to life in new ways. So it would not be just resuscitation, meaning the same bodies just living again, but instead would come back in new bodies. So again, early Jewish belief was that the Messiah would come and that there would be this resurrection. So these bodies would come back to life and there would be different kinds of bodies. So, Jesus' resurrection, a new body, an empty tomb, changed this thinking among his followers. They now saw and believed that Jesus' resurrection was really a preview. And here, maybe we note that this is a preview where the main attraction is actually better than the preview. Sometimes it's just the opposite. We see the preview and think, this preview is great. And then we see the main attraction and it's not quite as good. But here, Uh, We believe that the main event will actually live up to, if not uh, surpass, what the preview is. So, Jesus' resurrection is a a harbinger, a preview of what is to come. In the New Testament, there's a passage in 1 Corinthians that talks about the first fruits, and that's what this is talking about. So, as Christians, we believe that the coming of the Messiah, Jesus, has happened, but mainstream or orthodox Christianity believes that it will also happen again in the future, that Christ will come again. You may have heard about the second coming, and sometimes it is portrayed in a way that is fantastical, or people get obsessed by the second coming, and so we just kind of scoff at that and don't even think about it. But I think it's an important thing to think about or reflect on. Do we believe that Jesus will return again? I believe that he will. It would happen in the future, in the fullness of God's glory, and a new heaven and a new earth would be created. There would be general resurrection. This new heaven and this new earth would come into being. And here is where we, in this passage from Revelation, we see a little th- a little bit of what 
could happen, this image perhaps of when heaven comes down and earth come together, what will that be like? A new heaven and a new earth. In the passage from Revelation, it says, well, God will dwell in our midst, that every tear will be wiped away. There will be that death and mourning and pain will be no more. The passage says, all things will be new. Jesus will come again and there will be a resurrection of bodies. Now, again, I totally understand this whole talking about resurrection, uh, resuscitation, what does it mean to have this new body? It seems a little weird, especially as we get closer to Halloween. It might sound a little bit like zombies. In fact, many years ago when I was serving at another church, we had a mailer go out as a way to market the church. And one this was before Easter, and one of our mailers went to this household and this woman who made her way to our church because of this flyer, she saw the flyer, thought about maybe going to church for Easter. And then her son, who was probably seven or eight at the time, he started asking her questions about Jesus. And he asked her, so was Jesus a zombie? That was his question. Totally understandable question for a seven-year-old to ask. And the mom thought, I think this is my sign that I need to take my kid to church. So, so I know it sounds a little bit weird. It sounds maybe like there's zombies, but it's, it's uh, obviously more than that. Heaven and earth come together. The faithful would be resurrected. And many scriptures, especially from the Apostle Paul, later in the New Testament talk about this. And this is what N.T. Wright means by life after life after death. So here's an example. In Philippians 3, it says this, But our citizenship is in heaven, and it is from there that we are expecting a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humiliation so that we may be conformed to the body of his glory by the power that also enables him to make things, all things subject to himself. So here he's talking about the transformation of our earthly bodies. Now, Paul talks about it then being humiliating. I wouldn't go that far. But instead that we'd be giving these new bodies, this body of glory at the resurrection, the first believers, including Paul, believed that Jesus would indeed come again, but that he would, they thought he would come much sooner. So if we believe that Christ will come again, if we believe in uh, uh, that all those who have died will be resurrected, if we believe that this is the vision of what Revelation is saying, then perhaps you begin to ask the question, well, if we're waiting for this to happen, If we're looking at Revelation, like this is the vision of what it will look like, I think some will look at this passage from Revelation and say, well, this is heaven. And if we think that's heaven, but if we believe that that's what happens when Christ will come again, well, then what happens in the meantime? I think many times when we mourn the loss of a loved one, we have this image of their souls perhaps kind of taking an elevator up to heaven. But that wasn't necessarily uh, the way that the early Christians believed this waiting period. Some people call this period, this in-between time heaven. Others have called it, in fact, paradise. And sometimes it's hard to really know and exactly get a handle on what this interim period is. The scriptures talk a lot more about Christ coming again and the final glory, like Revelation. It doesn't talk a whole lot about the in-between time, but we have little hints. So, in the Gospel of Luke, If you know the story of Jesus on the cross and he is there and there are two thieves who are there beside him, 
And one of the thieves turns to Jesus and says, when you come into your, he says, remember me, when you come into your kingdom, implying a distant future. But Jesus turns to the thief and says, today, today you will be with me in paradise. Which means that there is some sort of interim period that happens that is like paradise. So what is this paradise? What is this waiting period like? What happens when somebody dies in this time when we're waiting for Christ to come again? Well, this is where we get hints. So there's a book of the Bible that's uh, sometimes uh, called the Apocrypha. That's not in the Protestant Bible, but instead is in the Catholic Bible. And there is a book in that Bible called Second Enoch. And there's a verse in there that talks about paradise. It says, that place has an appearance of pleasantness that has never been seen. Every tree was in flower. Every fruit was ripe. Every food was in yield profusely. Every fragrance was pleasant. So perhaps that is an image of what happens in this in-between time. All we know, the promise is that we will be with Jesus. We don't know exactly what that will be like, but we have to believe that it is something that is uh, like paradise, blissful perhaps, whatever adjective you would like to use. Now, I know some of this may seem a little vague. You want specifics. What has happened, because the Bible doesn't give us a lot of specifics, is that others have begun to really explore and imagine and dream and, and get a sense of what perhaps this interim time will, will, is like for those who have died, our loved ones who have died. There's an interesting book I came across a few years ago called The Life of the World to Come by a woman named, a scholar named Carol Zaleski. And she notes there that there's a hesitancy among those in the church to give a definitive answer of what happens in this interval of time. In some cases, there's almost a permission to use your imagination. So, for example, in 1979, this is from her book, it says that the, uh, there was something called, from the Catholic Church, there was something called the Sacred Congregation for the Doctrine of Faith. It was a letter about final things, about what happens when Christ comes again. And it says this, it says, simply, we shall be with Christ and we shall see God And it is in those promises and marvelous mysteries that our hope essentially consists. Our imagination may be incapable of reaching these heights, but our heart does so instinctively and completely. So, it's interesting that the Catholic Church doesn't want to give any specifics here. I used to think maybe this is kind of the Catholic Church kind of shrugging its shoulders saying, we don't know for sure, which I always love that, you know, no one's going to say definitively, this is what happens. But there's a trusting that we will see God, that we will be with Christ until Christ comes again in this time in between, whether we call it paradise, if you want to call it heaven, that's okay, with the belief that eventually heaven and earth will come together. And that's the vision that we see here in Revelation. So, maybe mystery and imagination is okay. Maybe we're called to embrace this. You know, whenever I preach, one of the key questions I ask is, what do I want folks who hear what I have to say, what do they do with this information? How do they make it, as one of our core values says at Urban Village, how do they make it relevant? I've struggled with this. What do we do with this information? Do we just reflect on it? Is it a good thought exercise? Does it mean that we simply, it alleviates any anxiety we might have about death? And if that's so, that's good. Do we maybe be consoled? This is only an interim state that something even more marvelous will happen in the future. I think it's okay to be with a peace with the mystery. 
But I think also, rather than just uh, something that warms our hearts today and say, oh, that's good to know, and then we live our lives, I think it also perhaps is a call for us to exercise our imaginations, to begin to get a sense of what will that be like, this time this time in between, this time of waiting, this time of paradise, this time that we will be with Christ. I think maybe we begin to look around us and see what are glimpses, perhaps, of what that might be like. And where can we look where we see those glimpses in unexpected places? Again, we may go to the stereotypical uh, clouds, light, angels, harps, whatever it is, But I think perhaps if we really are using our imagination and we stretch ourselves and begin to think, can we see glimpses of that time here and now? I was talking this week with uh, somebody from our church named Mark, uh, and he told me this really wonderful story. And I think this is a glimpse of paradise. And I was grateful for him telling the story, and I think he recognized it too. He, uh, Mark uh, and his wife Emily divorced a few months ago. And so, uh, understandably, for those who have experienced divorce, that's not something that you get over easily. And so, he, one of the things he, he moved and uh, single, and so adjusting to that. And at times, understandably, it's, it's not easy. And he said one night he was home and was for feeling particularly down uh, and wondering what to do, had a hard time sleeping. and he had a sense that God was saying to him to just get out. And he wasn't quite sure. It was later at night, 10, 30, 11 or so. And Mark was wondering, I don't know what that means. Where Get out. Like, where do I go? And so he decided to follow this, this nudge, this leading. And he put on his clothes and he kind of went outside. And he decided, he lives fairly close to, here in Chicago in the South Loop, there's a a bar called the South Loop Club. And if you walk by it, it looks a little bit like a dive. Uh, like it's not necessarily, there are some clubs uh, or bars and pubs in Chicago that you see it from the outside. And think, oh, I love to go in there and uh, have a drink. Uh, South Loop Club isn't necessarily one of those places. In fact, I've never been in it. Not that it, it just has never been particularly appealing to me, but Mark went there. In fact, he told me that Mark has gone there a little bit since moving into and being single. And he tells me they have great hamburgers. So for those of you who live in the South Loop or in Chicago, go check it out, I suppose. I'm going to. Anyway, Mark was there at the South Loop Club and was having a drink and was watching a game on the TV. And this guy started talking to him. And at first, Mark said the guy was really kind of annoying. He was starting to chat him up and talking about his kids. And Mark was just thinking to himself, I wish this guy would leave me alone. He was visiting from Chicago and uh, and the guy kind of said at one point to Mark, he said, I mean, are you okay? You're pretty quiet. And Mark uh, said to him, well, yeah. And they, as they were talking, Mark learned that this guy, or he said something about divorce. He'd been kind of going through a hard time because of the divorce. And the guy said, oh, I, I know how you're feeling. I, I got divorced too. And Mark said something really interesting happened. That after that time, the guy just started saying things that was exactly what Mark needed to hear, letting him know that it's going to be okay, that he's not alone. He put his hand on Mark's shoulder to kind of tell him to hang in there. So the guy didn't say, I don't think, anything profound, maybe nothing that Mark hadn't heard before. But in that moment, when he felt this nudge for him to to leave his apartment, to go out and see how or what was going to be out there after following this nudging, and here perhaps was 
a glimpse of paradise. In Revelation, we read that God will dwell with us. That is the vision of when heaven and earth will come together. And I believe we see glimpses. I believe when this time of paradise that we will see many of these glimpses. But I believe even here and now, we can see these glimpses now. When we go to a place, follow a nudge from the Holy Spirit, and have a sense that somehow in this place that we wouldn't expect there to be heaven, that we find it there. And that's where Mark found it. So I would encourage us, what do we do with this information? I think for us to begin to use our imaginations, explore what will this be like for our loved ones, for ourselves, and then, so that it's not just a thought exercise, then we begin to open our eyes and our hearts to see where are those places in our lives where we're beginning to get a sense of what will it be like, and to be open to the fact that God might be using us to give someone else a taste of what heaven will be like too. For me, that's the proof, and that's the map of heaven. Amen. Well, friends, thank you for listening to this podcast. You can always connect with me on my website, christiankuhn.com. On Twitter, I'm at christiankuhn. And my email is christian at urbanvillagechurch.org. And so you can reach out to me in any of those places. And I'm happy to, uh, to interact with you. Uh, so until the next week, uh, may the peace of Christ be with you. Be thou my wisdom and thou my